Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. We're sometimes fortnightly, but sometimes monthly. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing very good, doing very good. Sorry. Oh, I'm doing very well. I am doing some good Either as works. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were doing some good today. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. Try and do a little bit of good every day. How are you, Frank? I'm well as well. I'm in the new place, as I said in the last episode. It's lovely and sunny here. Life is good. Excellent. What are we talking about today? We're diving into another of our favourite topics, investigator-specific episodes, and we're talking about a guardian. We've been on a bit of a guardian run, haven't we? We have but indeed, yeah. not a, a white man. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, we're talking about Daniela Reyes, the mechanic. You've been itching to talk about her for ages. Almost from before you played her, I'd say. Absolutely, like, yeah. I'm ready to go. Just <laughs> intrigued, right? Yeah. She's so curious that the way her ability works is, it's it's such, just dealing damage is an unusual ability. But mm-hmm. then one that is so nakedly self-sacrificial is very unusual as well. Mm. Mm. It's sort of if... Agnes and Calvin collided. What would you have? <laughs> That's exactly, have yeah. It. That, that, that yeah. written in my notes, actually. I did. You managed to, to <laughs> me. Well, should we, should we start with her card then? Let's start with her card, yeah. Do the honours, Peter. Okay, we have Daniela Reyes, the mechanic. She has four willpower, one intellect, five combat, and two agility. And she has the entrepreneur trait, which is... Very unusual. Mm. She has a reaction ability. After an enemy attacks you, accept an attack of opportunity you provoked. Even if that attack was cancelled, either deal one damage to that enemy or automatically evade it. Her elder sign effect is plus one. If you are attacked by an enemy this round, you automatically automatically succeed instead. She has eight health and six sanity. Relax, tough guy. I'll handle this. You stand over there and look pretty. Mm-hmm. That's how I talk to you when we play, isn't it? Yeah, Emma, we record. <laughs> <laughs> I just sit quietly. <laughs> what a set of stats, right? Four, one, five, yeah. two. <laughs> We've got the good stats and the poor stats. If we do, she's min-maxed. Yeah, yeah. It's also notably our first one intellect investigator, which I think Indeed, caused quite yeah. the stir in the community and... Yeah, I think it's still causing a stir. I've still seen people talking about that, wondering about it. And I think we should dedicate at least a bit of time to looking at that. But like you said, what a set of stats. I think the one intellect sometimes detracts from the fact that she's a four willpower guardian, which is good. There are other four willpower guardians, but she also has five combat, which is pretty great. Yeah, she can just punch stuff just with a bare hands. Yeah, yeah. And the two agility, it's like, oh, if we're looking at a guardian who's maybe going to handle enemies, it's a shame if you can't evade them as well if you need to. Oh, wait, she's got a reaction ability exactly, that also yeah. could be an evade. <laughs> so, so, so weirdly, the, the agility hurts more on treacheries is, is what I found in my experience of playing her. Yeah, yeah. She's got such a, such a like, tanky set of stats. That five combat, mm-hmm. she can hit enemies, no bother. The four willpower is good. I think there's a couple of cards she wants to use that help bump up her willpower as well. One card mm-hmm. in particular. So that, that helps mitigate... Well, I mean, it puts it up to five. doesn't help mitigate anything. It puts it up to five, which is, mm. like, as good as you need to be, really. Yeah. Yeah. What it means is you can not need to dedicate lots of deck slots towards making sure you can survive the mythos. Yes. So those deck slots can go elsewhere on other things that you want Daniela to do, in theory. Yeah, absolutely. and And... While I know a lot of people immediately jumped to her one intellect and said, well, how do I how do I get clues with one intellect? Do I need to pack my deck with clues? If you come at her with a multiplayer head-on that you've got someone else in your team who's able to get clues, it's great that the points you didn't need in intellect are distributed to her other stats. Mm. You're, you're not yeah. carrying around, like, in a way, two intellect would be worse than one intellect. 
Because if she had mm-hmm. two intellects, she'd probably only have, what, four fight or three willpower? If she had two intellect, four fight, she's Zoe stats, right? Four, two, four, two. Yeah, and she's it's terrible. Like you say, Zoe, the Zoe's min-max, absolutely the, awful. the tone up, just tuned for that extra point. Which exactly. Is really nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, so I, I, I really like that. I think that's that's great. You know, mm-hmm. you look at Zoe, does she ever use that intellect? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. your, your keen eye yeah. build. <laughs> exactly. Are you doing keen eye? Are you running uh, Alyssa Graham in some of your off class to try and <laughs> build up that that intellect somehow? Maybe, but probably not. I think the other thing worth noting is it comes at a point in the game where there are a lot of ways to get clues that aren't an intellect test now. Across all the factions, I'd say, there are different ways of getting clues. And I feel like we've reached close to saturation in the card pool, where you actually get to choose rather than you just take the things available. So uh, thinking about Guardian, for instance, there's evidence, the scene of the crime, but there's also interrogate if you really want to run interrogate. So you do have some options. And now as well, there's Greta Wagner. So there's also an asset that gets you clues as well as those events. So I think that, at least to me, is a bit of a sop towards it's not quite as painful. If she came out in Dunwich, maybe that would be more painful. Because I do remember running Perception in Zoe to try and get clues and flashlight and things like that. So at least she comes out at this point. We've often said before as well that if you're going to have a dump stat, if you want to call it that, it's better to have it as a one than a two anyway. Absolutely. I feel like Finn Edwards was the really good illustration of that when finn came out he had the one willpower but the four intellect yeah and it was such a kick in the teeth to schizo tool who had the two willpower and no one was saying wow he's great at passing willpower tests but then only the three intellect yeah 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 yeah. that little tone up of the stats is really helpful absolutely what about her ability then should we just go Mm. over it again just so everyone's Mm -hmm. aware where we are so after an enemy attacks you, accept an attack of opportunity that you provoked, even if the attack was cancelled, you can deal a damage to the enemy or you can automatically evade it. Yeah. So, you know, route one, simplest way this is going to happen, you're engaged with an enemy, it attacks you in the enemy phase, you deal one damage straight back to it. Yeah. Easy peasy. Route two, <laughs> the enemy yeah. has retaliate or alert. Yep. And you either try and uh, fight it and fail or try and evade it and fail and it attacks you. And that's another other option. And strikingly, it's not limited by enemy or by number of, number of attacks or by phase. So in theory, if you had a way of making an enemy repeatedly attack you that wasn't attacks of opportunity, you could keep firing this ability. Yes. Or... If you're engaged with five enemies and you're happy to take the hits from all five of them, you can trigger your ability five times. That's the notable difference from Agnes's ability, which mm-hmm. is once per phase. Yeah. This is as many times as you want. You might even have a situation as Agnes where you draw a special symbol on a shriveling and take a horror and you deal a damage and you sort of didn't want to because maybe you've already used a forbidden knowledge charge or... Maybe it's two two special tokens on a shriveling in one investigation phase, and you're like, ah, I'm not getting maximum value out of my sanity pool. Whereas with Daniela, it's sort of uncapped as long as you can take the hits. The other fun thing you can do with her, which I have managed to do on a couple of couple of occasions now, is if you're engaged with a massive enemy, and you will be engaged with a massive enemy if it's at your location. You, the lead investigator chooses the order of uh, it, the attacks of that enemy. So it will attack all investigators, but it will do them in the lead investigator's, uh, in the order of the lead investigator's choice. Are you mm. impressed with how well I remembered the rules there, Frank? Yeah, I am very impressed. So you could, for instance, get it to attack Daniela first, and then she can deal damage to it, or she could automatically evade it, mm. at which point yes. it doesn't make any more attacks because it's exhausted. Mm. And I feel like we also, because we went to the Agnes comparison here, didn't make enough of the fact that her ability isn't just damage, it's also evasion. Yes. And I wonder how how often do you find you're using the automatic evade versus the pings of damage? 
I think it's it's a good one. I it's just that extra option. Actually, for bigger enemies, I like it a lot. You just mm. take them out of the fight totally for a turn after they attack you. Mm-hmm. If you're swarmed with enemies, I find it's 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 easier to use that than it is some other ones. Mm. Yeah, like you say, I think the thing that stands out is the choice. Maybe it's a an enemy that doesn't hit very hard but has a lot of health, mm. and then you want to just keep chipping it for damage. But if it's an enemy that's hitting for two and two, maybe you can only afford to take one hit from it. So you're going to take the one hit, evade it. Everyone can then wail on it, that sort of thing. So it's, like I said about her agility being low, it does actually give her this extra option of being crowd control or of being, I guess, what some people will call a tank. That she can bring her focus to an enemy and she's got various ways of handling it. Well, that's what I was going to kind of go on to ask you, Frank. What do you think Mm. her role in a team is? Yeah, and I think tank is the closest label. I mean, I'd never played any um, MMOs, so I'm I'm using the terminology sort of secondhand. But that idea of she's maybe not necessarily the primary fighter, as in the primary killer of all the enemies, but she's definitely able to just soak things up and she likes soaking up hits in my experience because she then gets value out of her ability so combined with that decent stat line particularly with the willpower she sort of can just take hits on herself and she likes bringing the attention onto herself so that other people can do what they want to do so so crucially in an mmo a tank helps manage the aggro of the enemy which is effectively where its attention is focused because enemies are usually programmed to respond hostilely towards enemies, uh, towards, well, friendly characters for you that deal a lot of damage. Right. Or are healing uh, their other allies as well. Yeah, healing generates quite a lot of aggro, typically. So, as an old, <laughs> one of my favourite um, MMO jokes was a priest trying to explain to his, his friends there's a very complicated, very technical MMO term called aggro. Loosely translated, it means the priest dies. <laughs> so so the job of the tank is to hold the focus of your enemies while the more lightly defended damage-dealing classes um, actually kill them. Yeah. yeah. And when, when we look at Daniela through that lens, I think, yeah, no, she absolutely ticks the box there, doesn't she? She's She's got these very defensive stats. She's got the evasion ability built in. You can feel like... Her, she's going to work with those cards that pull enemies off other players and bring them onto yourself instead. So mm-hmm. the likes of Taunt, Rook, Rescue, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. She doesn't mind getting hit because that stops enemies from attacking her allies. Mm-hmm. And it's not just enemies, it's the mythos as well. I, I've said this before, but I think tank should apply to encounter cards, not just enemy cards a subset of encounter cards. There's two separate axes here, aren't there? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if, if we look at the the outcome of those cards, it's it's damage, it's horror, it's actions taxed. Um, mm. If an enemy appears, someone's got to kill the enemy or you've got to soak up the damage for it. Someone has to evade the enemy so you can move away from it. And mm. a treachery card, some kind of encounter card, might say cause you to spend two actions getting rid of it or it deals you horror in the meantime or there's some sort of test that deals damage or horror. So when we look at, you know, enemies are just a type of encounter card really. Mm. And in my opinion, it's Daniela's job to help keep the team overall safe from that. Yeah, yeah. The thing that sort of jumps out is the two different axes or ways that an encounter card might test you. So broadly speaking, a treachery might hit you in the willpower or the agility department, and like you say, might be might be damaging you, horrifying you, or a number of other effects, taxing you actions in some way, losing you cards. And then when we think of enemies and when we think of enemy management, we often think of combat and agility, the physical stats, as the way of dealing with that. But she kind of blends both. She's got the physical stats to deal with enemies and an ability that gives her an evade. And then she's got the willpower for treacheries. Yeah, I think the other thing that we forget or that gets skipped over is often in Arkham, the 
best way of managing enemies historically has been kill them quickly. And so that's meant that someone whose role is enemies has often been about how much damage they can do in a rapid space of time. Mm -hmm. And what I found with Daniela is because she just does damage passively, you might not necessarily need to build her towards like, I need a really big weapon. I'm just going to kill things as quickly as possible. Because instead, you almost don't mind just taking the hits and letting her do the work herself. Yeah. Which which maybe we'll come on to later. So uh, in my campaign, I've got her paired with Lily as the two kind of encounter slash enemy managing characters. And yeah. Lily is a real contrast because she is definitely able to deal with enemies quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, she can just yeah. turn into like a, a blur of <laughs> blur of fists and sticks and take out yeah. enemies. And quite often, even though I'm ostensibly an enemy management character, uh, I'm there with Danielle saying, can you help me kill this, please? <laughs> if you can't, it's fine, because I can take the hits. <laughs> mm. Mm. But in order to get rid of these enemies quickly, that would be good. But at the same yeah. time, she's really able to keep the team safe. And you can notice that in the enhanced kind of efficiency of the other characters in the team by pulling those encounter cards off them and sitting with enemies just taking hits. Yeah, it's interesting. It's really interesting. Just before we turn her over, Elder Sign Effect. Yeah. I've only ever had this be a plus one. I don't think I've ever seen the auto success. It's nice to have it on there, but unless you've got specific ways of finding the Elder Sign, with, with which the, you might have. Yeah. With, with the stats she's got, where there's a plus one not going to be enough when she's yeah. got four willpower and five yeah. and five combat. So the situation I'm picturing is you can be hit in the round by an enemy and deal with it quickly, and you've got a spare action or two to investigate. Yeah, if you've also got a way of pulling the Elder Sign, then you can be investigating, you know, Shroud 4, 5, whatever it is. I mean, I guess so, yes. And you Catastrophe is a thing in Survivor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, You could have Elder Signs on tap, yeah. Whatever. But I don't know if that's the way you want to build your solo Daniela. Like, that's my solution for investigating, because that's incredibly elaborate. But it is there as a possibility. But yeah, I agree with you. Normally I pull it and I'm like, yay, plus one. Oh, actually, it's an auto success. Oh, I was three over or whatever it was because of my stats. But I think that's fine. I think the, the L sign effect, She's her stats are so good. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. mind... A bit of a subpar elder sign effect, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. So her deck size is 30. Her deck building options are guardian cards, level zero, survivor cards, levels one to five, neutral cards, level zero to five, and up to five other survivor cards, level zero. So she is the Norman of Guardian and she upgrades into Survivor. And her deck building requirements mechanics wrench, mob goons. And one random basic weakness. This is, it's such a weird card pool, this. It's, it was so <laughs> hard for both of us to get our heads round. Mm, I think a lot mm. a lot of these investigators we didn't do too badly with. Obviously, we had a lot of experience with Norman. Mm, but mm. the rest of them were all a bit harder. And honestly, Daniela felt like one of the hardest ones of all. Just all those, she, it feels like she just wants, she wants like weapons in her deck. And all of the higher level weapons are locked behind, uh, you know, level one plus guardian. Yeah. So yeah. just felt like, like, what weapons do I pick? What do I put in my deck? You know, I've got my meat cleavers, yeah. but is that all I'm going to be able to use? Yeah. Yeah. And then thinking about, okay, well, I'm upgrading into survivor. So I'm taking who knows what, some kind of survivor choice of weapon, a sledgehammer, mm. something like that. Using up all your hand slots. Yeah. It's a strange direction to go in. And it illustrated for me about how we do have a sense of, well, this is what Guardian upgrades into. Um, Obviously, there are a lot more cards now. But one of the things you do if your role is dealing with enemies is normally upgrade into something that allows you to kill enemies more quickly. And Daniela doesn't necessarily go that route. I'd I'd like to pull in a card, if I may, at this point, which is the Fire Extinguisher Level 3, which came out in the same box as her. It gives you that reliable plus one to hit and a reliable plus one damage. And then it also has the ability to discard it to evade everything engaged with you, which can be useful for Daniela if she's doing the kind of attracting all the attention of enemies and suddenly realizes she's bitten off more than she can chew. 
But for six XP for two copies, it's just it's just a plus one plus one weapon. It's a I think it's a good weapon, but do you see what I mean? You you kind of invest in that and you're not doing the same kind of hits as running a bar or a Cyclopean hammer. Maybe you run a time worn brand in Daniela, but that still is just the plus one as well, isn't it? Plus one damage. Yeah, yeah. If you look at Daniela and say, Oh, my job is killing enemies quickly, that's not necessarily what her reaction ability is saying. And also, it's not necessarily what her card pool is saying. Yes. I think the the joke has been for a while that if we see other investigators along the lines of Norman, whoever upgrades into Survivor is going to have got, got the raw deal <laughs> because <laughs> there's there's not as many good upgraded Survivor cards as there are the other factions, which I think is, is, you know, it's a joke, so don't take it seriously. But there are plenty of good options for her higher level than Survivor, right? Yeah, we both actually quite enjoyed exploring the survivor pool for how a specifically tank-focused investigator might use that pool. Yeah. So I I went to fire extinguisher. What what what's left out for you in that pool? Well, the card I really like. I've just put it in. I haven't tried it in here yet. I think I might have had it in a standalone deck I ran with her. Is Alter Fate, mm. which comes as level three. That's just really nice. Encounter management, right? It's always a card I've meant to take because it feels like when you need it, you really need it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it just never seemed to be quite the right deck for it. Uh, And I think finally Daniela. And Daniela in Edge of the Earth, where we've got a lot of non-weakness treacheries that attach all over the place. Yeah. Locations, people, like this just can ditch it straight away. It feeds into that role you were describing of, I just want to say, like, clear up on aisle two. Like, your your yeah, yeah. job is clearing up the mythos in all its forms. So, yeah, you could combine that with, say, test of will, and you, you put some cancellation in Daniela, maybe for other people. So you're, like, cancelling cards for them and also dealing with cards that have attached to locations and also taking all the enemies onto you. It's yeah. just, like... My goal is explicitly going to be to let you other investigators not worry about the mythos, which is pretty cool. It's very, that feels very like Guardian. And I definitely think when you start to look at some of the Exile cards as well, I think there are Mm. quite a lot that build into like a tank role as well. I mean, obviously you've got Test of Will, you know, Fortune of Fate helps, Fate or Fortune? Fortune of Fate? Fortune of Fate. Fortune of Fate. Helps during the mythos phase. You know, there's, there's, there's a number of other cards like that which can be exiled. I mean, you've got other stuff like um, Devil's Luck as well, which can mm-hmm. help keep you alive. Yeah, soak 10 damage and or horror. Yeah, that builds up to maybe, finally, Daniela's the person for the Deja Vu deck. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I've played the Deja Vu Daniela through a campaign. How is it? It was great fun. Yeah, it was really, really good fun. So the other... Part of this is the level one leather coat and cherished keepsake. They each soak four of the respective health or sanity and exile when they do that. So I was running two of those and then the cards you mentioned, essentially, and flare, which is a nice three damage option if you need that. And also nice if you're hunting for specific allies. I found it really, really enjoyable. It felt to me like a weirder version of a deck I think we'll mention for Daniela Mm -hmm. but I did feel like I got it working and really the one major challenge for it was drawing into all the cards and having enough actions to play them and the person that that really reminded me of is Tommy no surprises that (laughs) the Guardian Survivor I will soak everything style you can do it in Daniela you can do it in Tommy and the thing that kind of caps it is how quickly you can draw cards and how quickly you can get them on the table and I mean Yorick is in this as well to a certain extent but he's got the great advantage that he can ditch cards and then get them later whereas for those two it's you're just basically digging I think I think I could make the deck even stronger if I played alongside say a seeker that was letting other people draw cards yeah which yeah. I wasn't doing because that could be really really useful I thought it was really good. I mean, it, so the the deck I said that it was a weird version of is the 
the Jessica and Peter deck. So maybe you can tell listeners a little bit about that. For oh well, I Daniela. mean, I was going to bring them up because they're it's it's the terrible twosome, isn't it? <laughs> it's so good. I think so good. you come up with a different name for them every time we hear them. <laughs> so so yeah, Jessica Hyde, Peter Sylvester, just the, yeah. What did I call them? The terrible twosome. No, yeah. some twosome. Twins, soap twins. They're just they're so solid, and the 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 stats. You'll notice the stats they improve across them when they're upgraded. Well, when Pete's upgraded anyway, is your your willpower, your fight, and your agility. Yeah. So if you get them both down, her stats are five six three. Well, five one six three. <laughs> don't forget that one. Don't sleep on that don't, one. Don't Peter. forget the one. Yeah. And like you know, obviously everyone's good when they get three extra points of stats, <laughs> <laughs> but. The way her stats stack up make her super, super uh, uh, good defending against stuff. They can also soak two yes. damage and two horror that they heal. Exactly. Now, now, what I find really interesting about it is that her ability finally offers us a great way to... Well, we talked about this with Spirit of Humanity, didn't we? Where mm. it's a way of using up the spare healing on Pete and Jessica. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed that when I played Daniela... There's almost always at least one damage and one horror on Jessica, mm-hmm. whichever way around that goes. <laughs> yeah, one damage on Jessica, one, one damage Jessica, on horror one, on one Pete. horror on Pete, or, or, or two as well. So they're always like at the end of my turn, they're always just about to die, and then in my turn they heal down. Yeah, because I'm always keen to put stuff on them to keep them ticking up. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. miss one of the the heal ticks on them, it's like a turn wasted. Daniela really offers you a way to exploit that kind of spare health pool. It's like it's like you know mining cryptocurrency. You know, if you use your spare your spare capacity <laughs> or running an Airbnb, you know, you turned into a landlord. You've got that spare space which isn't doing anything for you while it's sitting empty. And Daniela's ability allows you to exploit that for dealing damage or getting auto evades, which is really good. And then typically, I find they do a lot of soaking, but anything. Yeah, over the top of that just comes straight on to me and then that's why I've got the healing cards in my deck as well. Yeah, yeah. That's why because... I like, and, and I know not everyone's a big fan of it, that's why I'm a big fan of Meat Cleaver. You know, this, you can do the same thing there where, you know, you can you can attack with Meat Cleaver, the horror goes on Pete, you heal the horror off you and at the end of your turn, Pete heals the horror you dealt him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The combination of the two cards is what makes it sing. Yeah, it really does. I think what's really jumping out to me here is that when I've run the terrible twosome in, say, Calvin, you want to keep at least some of their soak available because, as Calvin, you could die if you're doing that knife edge five 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 five, you know, right at the edge of his health and sanity pool. Whereas with Daniela, because your health and sanity in the form of taking hits is a resource, you really want them getting hit so that you're getting the heals again, so that you can take more hits. And it's a sign that you're really pushing the ability, which I really like. I think it subtly changes how you're using those cards. That it's maybe a bit more reactive for Calvin. It's this is my overflow and a bit more proactive for Daniela. It's like get damage on these two. That means I'm using my ability. That means I'm making progress and helping. And it takes the defensive thing of I'm just soaking and turns it into with her ability a more proactive kind of progressive thing that adds adds to scenario progress which is super cool so i've also played that deck and i really like playing that style as well yeah it's a really cheap xp investment as well it's yeah. two four six seven uh six nine with the charisma yeah. so you can even run standalone daniela and run two pete two jessica and a charisma and no extra basic weaknesses if you wanted to and then the rest of your deck is level zero, and it's great fun. It's also a great a great place to spend uh, three in the thick of it XP as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I don't think Daniela necessarily minds starting with two physical trauma. No, she carries plenty no. of healing around with her, or she, she she can do. So it's great to just drop in, well, two Jess or a Jess and a Pete, the very mm-hmm. first scenario. She sits in this really fascinating place, doesn't she? Between soak and or also cancellation of attacks so like soaking the hits but also cancelling them and then healing as well 
And it's reminding me of Agnes, where with Agnes, obviously, if you can pack in some horror healing, you can get more pings of her ability. And it's sort of the same with Daniela. If you if you just heal enough, you can keep taking hits as Daniela and pull yourself back from the brink. A card that I'm really fond of in her is Earthly Serenity. She's got the good willpower so that she can use an Earthly Serenity and just heal a bunch of her or allies. And it's a nice sort of down action if you've got a lull in fighting as Daniela. You yeah. Just do a big heal, sort of reset. I definitely feel like I will look into that over Hallowed Mirror in my deck. Mm. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Hallowed Mirror because the other advantage of taking Pete Sylvester is that it frees up your accessory slot from feeling like I need to run Cherished Keepsake. So then potentially you run Hallowed Mirror, you run Riot Whistle, you run some fun accessory in there, a bangle of jinxes if that's the style you're playing from, from Edge of the Earth, and you've got that that slot freed up because of what Peter does. Or you run both and you've got loads of horror uh, soap. I think Riot Whistle would be lovely. I would love to run that. In in this deck anyway, I would love to run that if it didn't have Hallowed Mirror. Hallowed Mirror is just such a such a good healing card, it feels hard to, to turn it down. Yeah. yeah. But but Riot Whistle just like just sucking sucking all those enemies onto yourself. I did so I ran that Riot Whistle thing with Pete and Jessica at a War of the Outer Gods event. And I kept a little die on the riot whistle to record how many extra actions I got. Yeah. And I did joke with my teammates about how stupid that was because the really the things you should track if you want to show how well your investigators behave, um, performed are things like how much has Pete and Jessica healed. And yeah. I think it was easily <laughs> in in the teens, maybe even in the twenties in terms of I got hit so much by swarmed enemies and I was completely happy with it. And the Riot Whistle, I think I got four actions from it, maybe five. <laughs> I was like, yes, Riot Whistle, and got the whole table of people I'd never played with before invested in the fact that I had a Riot Whistle and that I was, you know, getting value from it. It's a silly card, but it's fun. She is good against swarming enemies, incidentally. Super good, yeah. Do you know what we haven't done? Looked at her signatures. Looked at her signatures. Should we take a, take a look at those? Let's do it. It's me first, I think, isn't it? It is, yeah. Brill. Okay. Otherwise, first. you get crotchety if you have to read the weakness. Yeah, exactly. Uh, first up, we have Mechanics Wrench. This is a two-cost asset. It has two combat and one wild icon, and it has the item, tool, and melee traits. Daniela Reyes deck only. Free action, exhaust Mechanics Wrench, choose an enemy your location, that enemy attacks you. And then a separate fight, uh, sorry, action ability, fight. Use this ability only against an enemy that has attacked you since the end of your last turn. You get plus two combat for this attack and deal plus one damage for this attack. And it uses a single hand slot. Mm. This is really good. It's it's just a nice thing to trigger her ability, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's exactly what you want on a free trigger on an, an asset in her deck, a cheap asset in her deck. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's yeah. good. I think you said you've played her and you've never, ever managed to play this. In my Edge of the Earth campaign, I drew the wrench, I think, twice. Yeah. Across every single scenario. At least Both that, times, like, that has good right icons. The end. Yeah. I mean, not even committing it for the icon. I didn't even do that. It was just like, drew it upkeep of the final turn. Or... So, yeah, it looks like a great card. I'd love to. I have actually played with it as well because I've I've got it to the table. And yeah, I'd agree. I'd, I'd say if you're playing Daniela in the way I ended up playing Daniela, you often have enemies on you in the enemy phase mm-hmm. because you get some of your good work done then. You, you know they're going to hit you and they're not hitting someone else. And notably, the fight ability is use it only against an enemy that has attacked you since the end of your last turn. So your turn would end, investigation phase ends, and then they'd hit you in the enemy phase. So it, it works for enemies who've hit you route one, as you called it, as well. You don't even need to use the exhaust ability, but the exhaust ability's there. Maybe you draw another enemy in the following mythos. So you can hit the first enemy that hit you, kill that, and then you need the other one to hit you so you can keep using the wrench. So you exhaust the wrench, get that one to hit you. You know, you're in in and having a fun time with it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. The, the big thing that jumps out is that it's not a weapon. It's not weapon treated. 
which means prepared for the worst, can't fetch it. Exactly. Yeah. Being a tool is nice because it means we can use crafty, I want to say. Mm, trick and tool, I want to say crafty. Whichever does, one it is, anyway. Does enchant Sleuth. weapon have to focus on a weapon as well? Good question. Enchant weapon attached to a weapon asset controlled by an investigator at your location. So, so you, can't yeah, you can't enchant chant the wrench. Mechanics wrench. I mean, it, it's just good. It's, I think it's exactly what a signature asset is. It's really nice when you get it in play and useful. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I think she's still very good, even if she doesn't have it. The other thing I like about it is it's a really nice pointer if you're new to playing Daniela. Oh, yeah. Of reminding you, okay, like enemies are going to be hitting me. And actually, my signature weapon even wants enemies to hit me. So I'm going to need to think about soak or healing. I think part of our fun of playing with Daniela is that we then got thinking about soak and healing and which is better or can you run both. And some of the fun about making a Daniela deck is trying to fit in all the soak and healing you want. Yeah. It definitely wants to be paired alongside another weapon as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. You have mentioned the meat cleaver, but there's another weapon that you're quite yeah. fond of as well. Survival knife I really, really like. Mm. I think that's... I mean, it's it's a... It's not a no-brainer, but but enemies attacking you in the enemy phase, you get to deal the free damage, and then you get the free attack from the survival knife. You know, you can do all sorts of wild stuff, so a five-fight enemy lands on you. A five-health enemy, sorry, lands on you. It attacks you in the enemy phase, you attack back with the survival knife, deal three damage, then your turn starts, and you use the mechanics wrench and deal another two damage. And you've, you've... I mean, you could even... You know, a four health enemy you can deal you can you can kill with spending no actions. With a wrench, yeah. you know, a five health enemy you can kill spending one action. Yeah. Those are the kind of numbers that, that I like to hear, Frank. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that it's all baked into her means yeah. that then the fact that she can't get big weapons hurts less. Yeah. And and I think what you find is that it there's almost like a smoothing effect of the the, the, the need to kill enemies. Because she can spread out, as you said, she can sort of spread out that killing of enemies over a number of turns. While there is downtime for the fighter, she can be healing herself back up, ready to deal with the next set of enemies. Mm. It really helps emphasize the use of your health and sanity pool as a resource. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Similarly, actually, the other card that springs to mind is Toe to Toe, which is a guardian event, level zero, cost zero, fight. This attack deals plus one damage and is automatically successful as an additional cost to perform this attack. The chosen enemy makes an attack against you. This, to me, is a really good Daniela card. Yeah. Because you're getting the attack against you, so you're getting the damage or evade. And what I've actually found with toe-to-toe is that sometimes I was running a guard dog Daniela deck and finding that I was doing too much damage between Daniela's reaction, the plus one damage on toe-to-toe and the guard dog, and finding like, wow, I actually need to rein it in. Like, toe-to-toe is a good three health enemy solution as Daniela, even without extra damage. You know, with, say, a vicious blow and a guard dog, toe-to-toe kills a five health enemy in one action. Which, yeah, again, you see these big spikes of her doing lots of testless damage, which is great. Her signature weakness is Mob Goons. It is an enemy. Three fight, three health, three evade. Humanoid and criminal traded. It's a hunter preying on Daniela Reyes only. This enemy's attacks cannot be cancelled. Damage horror dealt by this enemy's attacks is treated as direct. Debt is a family affair. I find them not not really problematic at all. They're, I think, 3-3-3 with an additional ability that makes them harder to deal with. That's relatively beefy for an enemy. Mm -hmm. It's just a shame that they're up against Daniela. (laughs) Yeah, because often these these enemy weaknesses will do something directly to turn off the investigator. So Graveyard Ghouls, for instance, Mm -hmm. or what are they called? The Hoods, yeah, that's the one I was trying to think of. Mm-hmm. Isn't don't the what a Trish we doesn't Trish 
Trish's weakness, do something like you can only find clues by discovering or something like that, uh, by investigating. By investigating. Yeah, exactly. So, so a lot of these enemy weaknesses are like directly targeted against their investigator. But notably, mm. these aren't. Well, you probably do want to play Daniela with some soak. You know, she stand, can still do her retaliate damage back against these guys. Mm. They're, they're kind of targeted at ways you might build Daniela. Yeah. Maybe with dodge or devil's luck to cancel attacks or damage and also with soak like the soak twins or like keep keepsake and coat and it turns off the first line turns off the cancels the second line turns off the soak but her ability hit me and i'll hit you back harder is kind of well and good with them that's part of why i don't feel like they're too threatening at all i think i'm more interested in them for the story i feel like daniela's story is a bit vague maybe she's a mechanic but her brother Ramon got caught up in some trouble, which I guess is mob trouble. Yeah. And then there's also this intimation of like spirits. And yeah, it's all for me, it, it kind of leaves me intrigued and a bit wondering quite where she sits in terms of the mythos. Yeah. So yeah, I guess the mob goons have turned up because she's on the trail of her brother being caught up in problems. Yeah, not too bad is my, my overall review of these. Not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. I see that the top review for these on ArkhamDB points out that this is a great combo-enabling signature for interrogate, fine clothes, and handcuffs, if that's the combo you want to do. So you have, you always will have an, uh, an enemy in your deck that you can handcuff, which you could then drag around with you to use to, to trigger you know, Trish's ability if you're playing with Trish, but also if you're using Interrogate, you can start interrogating these goons to get clues elsewhere. Yeah. Which is, I think, it's good to remember that investigators who have enemy weaknesses do turn on the handcuffs play, or they make handcuffs even easier to get running. Yeah. You can draw yeah. on your own deck. So, and she doesn't mind handcuffs at five combat. Evading at five is great for if she wanted to do that. We've covered a lot of our usual kinds of questions when we talk about investigators, including actually some of the fun alternative routes for them. Do we want to touch on multiplayer versus solo for Daniela? Yes, let's do that. I feel like you did a good job of pointing out that she can be so officious at, efficient at mythos management. Officious? It doesn't matter. <laughs> officious. Just there, efficient like stamping, at mythos stamping management. Stamping paperwork yeah. and- yeah, she can be so efficient at mythos management that you can entirely ignore the clue side of things, and and that's fine. Yes. And I think if you were to slot a couple of scene of the crime or a couple of evidence, it wouldn't hurt because she's probably going to have enemies on her. That's kind of her role. But yeah, I don't think it's that Im- that important. I guess... What we talked about when we first looked, Daniela, was that there is that thing that I did with Mark Harrigan on Think on Your Feet, which is that you run those cards and Greta Wagner, and that's your kind of clue package. And the thing that brings all that together is on the hunt. So when you really need an enemy to get clues, you can do that. Yeah. I think the other thing that really helps with that is her survivor access, that you've got access to Look What I Found. You've got access to Lucky. So you can lean into cards that really help with getting clues in non-conventional ways. Even winging it, I think, in Daniela Solo could be useful. Dropping Shroud if you need it. Or Old Keyring as well as the other Look What I Found enabler. That you've got a way of dropping Shrouds repeatedly and failing so you don't lose keys. Yeah, yeah, potentially. I mean, what you could argue is that she has... Even a dedicated kind of enemy management character probably wants slots in their deck dedicated to, say, having weapons and uh, things like that. Daniela kind of comes, she's got a, a very high fight already, fight fight, and mm-hmm. a damage dealing ability inbuilt as well. Mm-hmm. So potentially you scrape back some card slots by not needing as much support to get her up and running as a fighter. Which gives you some space to, to do the clue finding. But, you know, I I always think any heavily specialised character is going to struggle more in, in, in lower player counts. Yeah. Especially yeah. zero. Zero players. Sorry, yeah. one player. Zero, yeah. zero, zero other players, I was thinking. Zero other players. <laughs> it's yeah. clear in my head, even if I didn't, my mouth didn't make the yeah. right words. 
it reminds me of something that MJ said about Carolyn, which is sort of the flip of this, which is, you know, how does Carolyn deal with enemies? Because she's got Guardian, but she doesn't get access to weapons above level zero. And her stats are a bit a bit of an odd mishmash, you know, the three willpower four and then just twos in physical stats. And sometimes it feels like Daniela is going to just be the inverse of that. It's going to be hard work to get clues in solo. You're going to have to think really carefully and much the same as playing other low intellect characters. You've got to be up for that challenge, I think, to enjoy that experience of thinking, right, maybe, you know, maybe you're sacrificing a couple of VP because you're going, I need five clues this scenario. How am I going to get those five? What what are the key cards in my deck that are going to do that? I think in the same way, actually, as playing a Seeker solo or many Seeker solo, where you're like, okay, there's one big boss enemy that I'm going to need to kill, so I'm going to need both. I've got a plan ready. I'm going to need this many clues to charge them up. You have to focus on the bit you're not good at doing and like sort of know, know your solution to that. So I think that's in there. I think the the route to being frustrated with Daniela would be be trying to boost her intellect. Yes, absolutely. Because that just feels like a fool's game in terms of, I don't know, keen eye and Greta Wagner to get to intellect two, maybe three. is just painful. Absolutely, yeah. To be mediocre was such a huge investment. So at the start of the episode, you alluded to the fact that when you saw Daniela, you got quite excited. Mm-hmm. If you can put your finger on what that was and tell the listener, I think that'd be really interesting to hear. Well, there's a couple of things. It's, I guess it's the self-sacrifice element. Mm. I've always been mm. a fan of cards which reduce their cost by forcing you to pay with other resources. Like, say, your when I used to play Magic years and years ago, I loved playing Black. And a lot of Black effects uh, also force you to lose life. Mm-hmm. So there was, you know, I think Frixian Arena would, you would call you, you'd lose two life every turn, of which 20 is what you start with. And when you get to zero, you lose the game, but it would let you draw an extra card every turn. I think that's how it worked. Mm-hmm. So immediately you put yourself on a countdown, but it was far cheaper than other forms of card advantage because you were paying with your life. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that aspect has always appealed to me, being able to get stuff cheap although it's got a drawback, and then figuring out creative ways to kind of work around that drawback mm. or or just living with it and, and understanding that, you know, you're playing in a particular style that might leave you more vulnerable in some areas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if you manage to get cards that can soak out, you've kind of nullified the effect of enemies attacking you and you're just getting free damage. So I, th- I find that appealing. I also think she's just really solid you know, her stats are, are solid. You can ignore the things you're not good at because someone else can do them. Mm. If you've got that luxury of playing in the team, that that works. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about the fact that she, as the mechanic, can't easily deal with the malfunction of the <laughs> intellect three test? Uh, it's very funny. If I, I, I'll, I'll give permission <laughs> from us, speaking for Frank, mm-hmm. if anyone yeah. wants to change the wording of that we there that treachery, sorry, to be an action for anyone with a mechanics wrench to fix um, without having to take a test. I'm sure no one's going to mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it. I mean, it's you know, there's a lot of. Thematic or if you have quirks. your mechanics wrench in play, also succeed. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think there's there's thematic weirdness, isn't there? I think it's 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 a difficult one to square away thematically because you sort of feel like someone with an intellect of one would would be an idiot. Mm. But it's, it's, it's not quite the case. Like, it's more a a law stat than an intellect stat, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's, how I've, that's how I've rationalised yeah. it in my head anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's curious to me. I was thinking that as you were talking as well, of why does she have intellect of one? I think she's clearly smart because she can work with her hands and fix things and she's a mechanic intellect is not i think a measure of smartness is it it's a measure of maybe i don't know book learning or something like that who knows 
I think there's a fascinating interaction here between the people that are annoyed that thematically the mechanic can't handle malfunction and the people that don't like one intellect on an investigator. And they probably fuel the flames of each other. It's like thematically it doesn't work. And also in terms of mechanics, it's uh, like gameplay mechanics. It's more challenging to play a one intellect investigator. Finally, I'd just say she's great with first watch. That would be my thing. Like you said, the self-sacrifice element. Play first watch. Take all the cards on yourself. (laughs) Give everyone else a free turn. Beautiful. Cool. Well, this has been our Daniela Reyes investigator-specific episode. As ever, we love to hear what you think about this investigator. And she's sparked some controversy with her stat line, so we'd love to hear what you think. You can get in touch with us. We're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're drawn to the flame on Facebook, Twitter, Designed by Humans, and on Patreon. If you become a patron, you get to come and chat to us on our Discord. And thanks so much to everyone who's already chosen to become a patron. Peter, how can people get in touch with you? I am United Reviewer, that's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. I'm on Twitter and uh, Discord and Steam and Instagram as the United. So yeah, please say hello. How about you, Frank? I'm on Twitter as FB, that's E-P-H underscore B-E-E, and I'm around the place as Zooey Glass or Zozo. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much for listening. I have myself been carried back to Roman times by my recent perusal of Brad Snyder's Aeneid, a translation never before read by me and more faithful to P. Morrow than any other versified version I have ever seen, including that of my late uncle, Vincent Barlow, which did not attain publication. This Virgilian diversion, together with the spectral thoughts incident to All Hallows' Eve with its witch sabbats on the hills, produced in me last Monday night a Roman dream of such supernal clearness and vividness and such titanic adumbrations of hidden horror that I verily believe I shall someday employ it in fiction. It was the design of Brendan Kane and Simi and Walker Orman to call on the terrible old man. This old man dwells all alone in a very ancient house on Water Street near the sea, and is reputed to be both exceedingly rich and exceedingly feeble, which forms a situation very attractive to men of the profession of Mr's Kane, Simi and Orman, for that profession was nothing less dignified than robbery. This is like the terrible old man. Yeah. Water Street near the sea. Is he having a day off? Yeah. (laughs)